We are so excited that you're joining us for this week's message. Trey's teaching on the subject of, It Takes Two. God put together a divine design for marriage, and with that design come certain roles and responsibilities for the husband and wife. So let's prepare our hearts as we dive into God's Word to discover what God expects from a husband and wife in their marriage. I want you to take a copy of God's Word and make your way to Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. A couple of weeks ago, if you'll remember, our relationship status, it got upgraded to married. So we've been moving along week by week, advancing through the process of what relationships look like and how we move from a physical attraction phase to finding someone that we want to date, moving from dating to courting, and now moving from courting to marriage. So a couple of weeks ago, our relationship status was upgraded to being married as we discussed the topic of leaving and cleaving and looking at God's divine design for marriage. How a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast or shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And remember we got to watch our couple in Song of Solomon. We got to see their wedding day and we got to see their honeymoon night. That was fun stuff, right? So I want you to do me a favor as we get started. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine something with me. For the next few months, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine your wedding day. Wedding day, as of right now. Imagine how you pictured it to look. Some of you that are married, you get to relive the moment, maybe. Some of you that are looking forward to marriage, uh, you get to imagine what that might look like. You girls, just imagine how you wake up early that morning. Well, you don't really wake up because you probably didn't go to sleep that night. Uh, but you're up early that morning and you're getting ready. And you've got all your bridesmaids and you're doing your makeup and you're laughing, you're having a good time and people are taking pictures and you're getting ready for that big moment where you're going to walk down the aisle and you walk up to the doors and they swing open and you're walking down the aisle and you look up there and there's that hunk of a man that you're fixing to marry. I hope you, have you got a clear, vivid picture of this? I hope so. Let's swap over to the guys for a minute. It's kind of the same story, right? You get to the church early that morning because you didn't sleep at all that night either and you're hanging around with your buds. People are taking a bunch of pictures of you. You don't want to take any more pictures, but they're going to take them anyway. And now you're standing on the stage. You're standing at the altar, and you're looking at the back of the church, and the doors swing open, and here she comes, man. Most beautiful woman that you've ever laid your eyes upon. Imagine, picture this day with me and what this looks like for you. Now picture we're at the reception. Everybody's hanging out, and we're having a good time. And we party it up for a little bit. And now the reception's over and we're jumping in the car. And the honeymoon night's fixing to begin. Are, are you still imagining? Are you still picturing this stuff with me? Don't lust. Just imagine what it's going to be like. Now listen to me. You can open your eyes if you have them closed. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Marriage is a whole lot more than just the wedding day and the honeymoon night. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. This is where our passage for tonight, I think, is really going to help us out and be a guide. As we look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, Paul, writing to the church, at the Ephesus, to the church of Ephesus, says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands, ask to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Our title for tonight's message is simply this, It Takes Two. It takes two. Marriage takes a combined effort for it to function properly. God has placed upon the wife certain roles and responsibilities in the marriage. In the same way, God has placed upon the husband certain roles and responsibilities to fulfill within the marriage relationship. And it's important for us to understand what those roles and responsibilities are and how we function in them. Me and Ashley always say that our marriage is not 50-50, but 100-100. It takes a full effort on each side of things. It's not 50-50 equals 100. It's 100% of Ashley doing 100% of her responsibilities. It's 100% of Trey doing 100% of his responsibilities to get 100% out of our marriage. I had a buddy when I was growing up. Some of you might have heard this story before. His name was J.D., and he actually didn't live too far from the church here. And me and J.D. liked to hang out a lot. And we were constantly going over to each other's house. And I went over to his house one day. And we loved to ride bikes as kids. And so usually I would take my bike to his house. But for whatever reason, that didn't happen this day. So he jumped on his bike, and we were going to ride bikes. And he gave me his sister's bike. And so I jumped on his sister's bike. It was a little bit girly, but, you know, I wanted to ride. So we made do. And he lived on a farm. And so at the very back half of their property, they had a pond for their cows and horses and all that good stuff to drink out of. And they were in the process of expanding that pond. So they had dug a ditch all the way around the outside of that pond. And it was about 9 or 10 feet deep. So it was a pretty big ditch. So we jump on our bikes and we take off down this hill. And it's all pretty much just dirt and gravel. And we're going pretty fast. And we're headed towards this pond. And so as we get close, he starts throwing on the brakes. And what this fool didn't tell me was that the brakes on his sister's bike didn't work. So we're flying downhill as fast as we can go. And we start getting close to this pond. I start trying to hit the brakes. Nothing is happening. And so I do what I could only do. And I start putting my feet down on the ground. I'm trying my best to stop. And I get right to the edge of the ditch where the pond is being expanded. And I finally get myself stopped only to have my momentum carry me literally this slow over the edge. <laughs> head first into the ditch. First thing that hit the ground was the top of my head. Knocked out cold. Woke up with the bike on top of me. He managed to pull me out of the ditch and being the good concerned friend that he was, began to laugh hysterically <laughs> at me. And he was like... <gasps> He's pointing at my head. I'm like, what? He's like, dude, your head. I'm like, what about my head? He's like, it's huge. 
So I start feeling the side of my head, and I have this bump, literally, it looks like an Easter egg, underneath my skull, coming out. That bike did everything that it was intended to do. I was having the time of my life riding that bike, just like I should have been. The only thing was, there was one part of it that wasn't functioning as it should have been. And ultimately, it led to disaster and a lot of pain and a lot of ice bags and a lot of Advil later on. Listen to me, guys. Your marriage, if it is built on nothing more than just high emotion and passion, it will do everything that it is intended to do. And it will be an awesome ride downhill as fast as you can go for a little bit. But the first time it encounters a little bit of adversity, the first time it encounters a little bit of hardship in this life, if you don't know the roles and the responsibilities that you are to fulfill as a godly man or as a godly woman, you'll start trying to hit the brakes, and the next thing you know, you're not going to be able to stop. You're going to go head over heels into a ditch, and there's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of heartache. There's going to be a lot of things coming out on the other side of that that God never intended for you to experience. Marriage is an awesome ride. It is. I love every day that God gives me with my wife. But if I don't fulfill my responsibilities, if she doesn't fulfill her responsibilities, then ultimately what ends up happening is you start going downhill really fast and you lose control and something bad happens. That's why God lays out perfectly clear for us in Ephesians chapter 5 what these roles and what these responsibilities are are and what God expects out of us as we go into a marriage. And the first thing that he shows us is the responsibilities of the wife. He starts with the wife. And go back and look at what he says in verse 22. He says, wives, submit. There's really going to be four words tonight that in essence could sum up the entirety of this message that I'm going to give to you. And here's two of them right here. Wives, submit. Paul goes on, he says, To your own husbands, ask to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wives, submit. Then notice what he says right after that. Ask to the Lord. Wives, submit, ask to the Lord. It's important, ladies, that you understand that your submission is ultimately to God. Now understand in this culture, in this society that we live in, that word submission is painted in a really bad way. Submission sounds negative. Submission sounds like you are less than, you are inferior, or you are insignificant, or you are subordinate. And it's not any of those things in the biblical sense. Submission does not mean that you were lower on the hierarchy of status in the relationship. Submission does that mean, Leah, that you are insignificant in your relationship with Blake. Submission, Breda, does not mean that you are inferior to Eric in your relationship. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, it's referenced on your sheet. The last time I read that verse, it talked about how we are all created equally in the image of God. So submission, ladies, is not a negative word. Put that out of your mind. Don't let culture define what God has designed. 
submission is not bad. And your submission ultimately, as Paul says, is unto God, not to your husband necessarily. So you submit to your husband as unto the Lord. God designed marriage in a way that gives authority to the man. That's how he designed it. That's how he intended it to work. You're submitting to your husband's leadership in the relationship and his leadership in the home, and that is it. Don't make it anything more than what it has to be. It's simply that. You're submitting to your husband's leadership in the relationship and in the home. And Paul pretty much just leaves it right there. Wives submit. But submission carries with it a lot of different things. And so we get into a few more responsibilities of a godly wife. And with submission comes this. You need to encourage. You need to encourage. You need to be a source of encouragement for your husband. Ladies, don't be one of these wives that just constantly uh, discourages everything that your husband does or suggests. I've been around couples that display this to some extent to where every suggestion that the man makes Hopefully for the betterment of the family and the relationship, the wife just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Don't be a source of discouragement for your husband. Be a source of encouragement for him. As long as he is following the Lord as he should be. Encourage him. Be there to help motivate him. The next thing that we see is it's not just submission, it's not just encouragement, but it's also you're to support him. You're to support your husband. That word literally means to help bear the weight. To help bear the weight. To hold up. That's what a wife, that's what a godly wife does. She helps her husband bear the weight of the responsibilities that he carries into the marriage. My wife, gosh, I love my wife. She is my greatest support system. This woman supports what I do for a living. I wish I could tell you how many guys that I have met or how many guys I've heard testify of being in my position and doing what I do for a living and not having a supportive wife at home. Do you know how miserable that is for them? Ladies, do you understand how miserable it would be for your husband to come home to a wife that does not support what he does to try to provide for his family? Be his support. Help him hold the weight. Literally get up behind him. It shows this picture of literally coming up behind and giving support to something that is already bearing a load. So it is literally a picture of a woman coming next to her husband, standing beside him or getting underneath him, and helping provide extra support to the load that he is already carrying. Be this kind of woman, ladies, to your husband. Be this kind of a godly wife to him. Support him. Be there to help him. The next responsibility is respect. Be respectful of your husband. Respect his leadership role. Respect his authority within the home. Don't seek to cut his legs out from under him. Now please understand this, that this is all contingent men. We're going to get to you here in a minute. Don't worry. All this is contingent upon his obedience and following God as he should. I'm not saying that you support. I'm not saying that you encourage. I'm not saying that you respect a husband that is not honoring God. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But hopefully at this point in this series where we're at, all the things that we have talked about, the things that I've tried to teach you guys, hopefully if you are at this point, you have, prayer, please, you have married a man 
that honors God, that loves Jesus. So none of these things become an issue. So you respect Him. You respect Him. You honor Him. And then lastly is, quite simply, you love. You love Him. You love Him head and shoulders above any other man. Because He's yours. He is yours and you love Him. You love Him. All these responsibilities, girls, and this is just kind of scratching the surface, is what God expects of you as you enter into a godly marriage. And I want you to notice something, too. I want you to notice something. Nowhere in Scripture... Nowhere in Scripture do we see anything that says that the purpose of the wife is to be barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. Not in there. Nowhere in Scripture do we see anything about how it's the wife's responsibility to go buy the groceries. Nowhere in Scripture do we see anything about how it's the wife's responsibility to do the laundry. Nowhere in Scripture do we see anything about how it's the wife's responsibility to keep the house clean or to wash the dishes, or to do all these other things society wants to paint out women are supposed to do. You don't find that in Scripture. None of the things that we just talked about has anything to do with any of that stuff. Submit, encourage, support, respect, and love. Listen, here's what God is concerned with. God is more concerned about addressing the character of our marriages over the chores of our marriages. You can figure that out on your own. You can figure that stuff out. Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to cut the grass? Who's going to, that's all a mutual effort. God is more concerned about addressing the character of your relationship than He is worried about who's going to do what at the house within the relationship. So much more important to Him. All these things that we talked about, they're character attributes of your relationship. A good wife, a godly wife, she submits to, she encourages, she supports, she respects, and she loves her husband, and she has no problem doing so when he is living the life he's supposed to live. No trouble doing so. Listen to me, men. We're fixing to get to your side of the story. Your wife, I promise you, your wife will have no trouble submitting to your leadership and your authority in the house if she knows that you are following God. No trouble whatsoever. She will have no trouble encouraging you, supporting you, respecting you, and loving you if you are following step by step in the footprints that Christ is leaving for you to follow in. No problem. And ladies, this is why it's so important that you find a godly man to marry and don't settle for anything or anybody less. You want your life to be easy? You want your life to be full of these things? You want to have an easy marriage of doing these things for your husband? Then find a godly husband. Find a godly man. And it makes your life so much easier and it makes marriage so much more enjoyable. So that's it. Girls, you're done. Let me speak to the man for a little bit. Responsibilities of the husband. Responsibilities of the husband. Check it out. Verse 25. Paul starts picking on the men a little bit. He says, husbands love I said four words could sum up this entire message. The first two were wives submit. The next two, husbands love. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The first responsibility of the husband is for you to love your wife. Love your 
wife. And there's really three ways in which God's Word lays out how you're supposed to love your wife. You're supposed to love your wife and your love for your wife is to be modeled off of Christ's love for the church. Now the last time I checked and the last time I flipped through Scripture, that's a pretty crazy, intense, and passionate love. And when I look at that kind of love, I'm like, man, Eric, I, I can't, what? I can't love like Christ loved. That's crazy intense. That's crazy passion. But in these verses, it gets broken down for us in three simple ways for us to follow. So you're to love your wife first unconditionally. Love your wife unconditionally. Paul says, love your wives as Christ loves the church. The love that Jesus has for his church, can we all agree, is unconditional. Unconditional. There are no standards that you have to meet. You don't have to do anything in his favor. You don't have to convince Christ to love you. There is no running to Him and begging and pleading with Him to love you. He loved you before you ever even loved Him. That's unconditional love. There are no prerequisites to it. He just loves you. He loves you unconditionally. Men, this is how you're to love your wives. Unconditionally. There are no standards. There are no prerequisites. There is no your wife coming to you and trying to do something to convince you to love her. She should never feel like she has to convince you to love her. Never. When? Never. Because you show unconditional love to her. You love her regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of the changes that she might experience physically. It doesn't matter. You love her unconditionally. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poor. That's unconditional love. That's how Christ loved his church. That's how we are to love our wives. The second thing that he shows us you love unconditionally, but you also love sacrificially. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? And gave himself up for her. Christ's love for his body for his church was a sacrificial love. He gave himself all the way up to death in love for his church. Self-sacrifice, men. Self-sacrifice is what you show to your wife. It is a sacrificial love. You lay yourself down completely for her sake. I would hope there's not a man in this room that's married tonight that wouldn't step in front of a bullet for his wife. If you wouldn't do that, come speak to me afterwards. We'll talk. Sacrificial love. When you enter into this covenant relationship of marriage, it is understood that you sacrifice everything for the sake of your wife and for her benefit. That's what Jesus did. He humbled himself. Why? So that we might be exalted with him. So in the same sense, men, you humble yourselves so that your wife can be ultimately exalted through your humbleness. Love your wife in a way that is self-sacrificial. Laying down your own life for her benefit. Sacrificial love. Unconditional, sacrificial, and then provisional. You love your wife in a way that is provisional. Husbands should love their wives, Paul goes on to say, as their own bodies. As their own bodies. And I think that's funny that God has such a sense of humor 
Because you might think, well, what in the world loves their own body, all this stuff? What is that about? Uh, do guys really love their own bodies? If you ever wonder the answer to that question, just go join a gym. You can't even get access to a mirror. Not because of the girls that are there in front of it. It's because old Johnny Swole over there is doing his bicep curls right in front of the mirror the whole time. Why? Because he loves his own body. <laughs> oh, man. I can go look at some of y'all's Instagram right now, probably. And I can point out who in this room loves their own body. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with loving the temple that God has given us for him to dwell in. There's nothing wrong with taking care of it. What God is saying is, men, I want you to take that love that you have for your body, the way you nourish it, the way you cherish it, the way you take care of it, and I want you to apply that to the way in which you love your wife. You only got one body. And so most of us men, for the most part, do a very good job to make sure we take care of it. To make sure that it is provided for. When you get hungry, man, what you do? Eat. When you get thirsty, what you do, man? You drink. When you get sleepy, what do you do? You rest. Why? Because you take care of your own body. You provide things for your body that nourishes it and that cherishes it. In the same way, you apply this to how you love your wife. You provide for her in the same ways in which you provide for yourself. You nourish her. You cherish her. Provisional love. You provide for her in all the ways in which she has needs that need to be met. Man, that's just one thing. That's just, that's just love. There's a reason why Paul dedicates just three verses to the women and nine verses to the men. Because that's what God expects of us. Men, you carry the responsibility. So it doesn't just stop at love. The second responsibility is you edify. So look at what Paul says in verse 26. He says that he might sanctify her. He's talking about Christ and his relationship to the church. He says that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You edify your wife spiritually. You are not just the physical leader of your home. You are the spiritual leader of your home. The spiritual leader of your wife. The spiritual leader of your kids, potentially later down the road. You are the spiritual leader of the household. And as such, you take steps and measures that are necessary to make sure that your wife is growing and being edified spiritually. You are not responsible for her sanctification. Ladies, you still have a responsibility over your own spiritual life. Just like every one of us in here has an individual responsibility to make sure we are growing in our faith. But guys, what you do is you create an atmosphere within your home and within your relationship that fosters a great environment for spiritual growth. You take the lead. You edify spiritually. I see a pattern forming, men. I see a pattern forming in all of this. And, and it's this. All of this is modeled after who? Jesus. 
So if you aren't walking with Him, then there is no way that you will have the capacity to fulfill these responsibilities. Did you hear me? If you aren't following Christ, men, there is no way that you will have the capacity to fulfill these responsibilities. Only by full submission and obedience to Christ can He lead you in fulfilling these responsibilities that you have so you edify. And then just as your wife respects you, you respect her. She is not a piece of property. She is your helpmate. She is your bride. And you respect her as such. And you treat her as such. And just as she supports you, you support her. Remember what that word meant. To help bear the weight. Your wife needs a support system. And if she's going to be that for you, then you need to be that for her as well. And then the last responsibility, you protect. You protect at all costs, man. You protect your wife. Do you, let me ask you a question. It might be kind of a duh question. But that's okay. That's the point. Do you think that Christ protects his church? Yes. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. Does the bride of Christ have an enemy? Yes, he does. Yes, she does. If there is no enemy, if there is no threat, there's no need for protection. And the same enemy that would threaten the bride of Christ is the same enemy, men, that will threaten your bride. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel, Kyle? To know that he wants to come against your wife. How does that make you feel, Matt? When you think about how the enemy wants to come against your wife. If y'all weren't sitting right there, I promise you I'd have kicked that chair about four rows deep right now. Because that fires me up a little bit. And I would hope as men, as the warriors we created to be, we would step up on that level and say, you know what? You might come against my family. You might come against my wife. But I'm going to stand in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ and say, you're not touching my wife. You're not touching my family. You're not going to do anything to cause us harm. You protect your wife at all costs. Responsibilities of the husband. You love, you edify, you respect, you support, and you protect. Marriage was created by God to be a reflection of Christ's relations to the church. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. So these roles and these responsibilities of the husband and wife that we find in Scripture, they aren't outdated. By any means, they're not outdated. They're ideal. They are the key to experiencing the blessing of marriage in its fullness. But just remember, it can't just be the husband fulfilling his role. It can't just be the wife fulfilling her role. It takes two. 
Marriage is a beautiful blessing from God, but it takes two people giving full effort to experience this blessing in its fullness. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and challenged to enter into and live out a godly marriage, one that reflects the relationship that Christ has with his church and portrays a picture of the gospel.